You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 364. Why are small groups so important? You know, I'm constantly amazed as a a pastor on the pastoral team at our church, a leader. I've got contact with pastors in different parts of the world. I get to travel a bit and um, speak in different churches. And I'm constantly amazed at the number of churches Big churches, small churches, medium-sized churches that do not have a small group program. Um, I really am amazed when, you know, I speak with the pastors and and they say, no, no, we we don't do small groups here. You know, we meet on Sunday and then we'll meet a few times during the week and and they feel that that's sufficient. And really, unless you get a revelation of it, unless you, you see the need... Um, you know, a visiting American's not going to, you know, twist your arm and say, hey, you need to have small groups. But um, having been in pastoral ministry myself for, I don't know, 40 years, give or take, in some form or other, I've seen over the years the value, the benefit, and, and really, in my opinion, the absolute necessity of having some type of small groups program within your church. And I'm going to give you three reasons why these are so important here in just a minute. And we'll probably delve into this a little bit more over the next couple of weeks as well, because it is so vital. It's so important. Um, you know, and then let me just go up front, go ahead up front and say this, you know, you may, you may call them something different. You may call them life groups. You may call them Bible study groups. You may call them house churches, whatever you want to call them, cell groups doesn't matter. Um, the, the principles are the same. Um, in some churches, maybe in some more traditional churches, the Sunday school program actually fits the bill for this. I've seen this in a number of settings and um, good solid traditional churches, maybe a Baptist church, a Methodist church, whatever, where their, their, their Sunday school really functions as a small groups program. And that's fine. Whatever works, um, but the uh, the thing that we'll see one of the the limits to doing that is that's usually done within the walls of the church, and I think there's a power in connecting in a home or a restaurant or some other setting, maybe a cafe, a park, whatever. But we'll we'll talk about the, these things as we go. But let's jump in. Like I said, we're going to look at three reasons. Uh, three purposes for having small groups. Now, all of these these things I'm going to talk about all feed into the main purpose to have small groups, and that's to build the church. Really, as pastors and leaders, that is our responsibility. That should be our driving passion. That should be what we live for. That should be what 
stirs us when we wake up in the morning is, what can I do to help build the church? And this, I'm not talking about senior pastors here. I'm talking about all of us as church members. What can I do to help build my local church? And what I've seen over the years is the the small group setting, the small group system is one of the greatest ways to build the church. So, um, you know, some pastors will say, well, look, we're having an invite a friend service next week. Well, well, that's great, but I'd be interested to see what your lasting results are from that. However, with the small groups, we've just seen over and over again that these lead to consistent long-term growth. It's not a a one-time event that's going to really build your church, although those help. They're great. We have them. But it's consistently uh, connecting with each other on a regular basis that really brings transformation. So here's number one. What's the reason? Why are small groups so important? Well, it's really where, it's the context in which we make disciples. You know, Jesus, right before he left, he said, go into all the world, make disciples of of every nation. He said, um, you know, really his last command was to be disciple makers. That's what he told his followers. In Acts 1, he phrases it a little differently. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. So when you put these two things together, this this idea of, of going and, 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 and making disciples and, and going and being witnesses, this really is, is not optional for us as followers of Christ. I think we look at it as optional, but it's not optional. It's our, it, it really, it should be every single Christian's primary motivation. Um, how can I be a disciple maker? How can I be a witness for Jesus? It shouldn't be something that's kind of tagged on when you think about it. It really should be our driving purpose and passion. And I get it. I don't get it right all the time either, but it's it's definitely become something that's come more to the forefront of my life when I realized it wasn't optional. It was a command. And so discipleship is a big deal, making disciples. Now, every church does discipleship differently, but I'll also say that every church doesn't necessarily practice making disciples. Now, that may shock some of you, but the reality is in many churches, in too many churches, there really isn't a plan to make disciples. If you were to ask the pastor, um, look, how do you, you make disciples here? Well, you know, we got really great Sunday morning services. Well, well, that's good, but there's probably not a lot of discipleship happening there. There's some on a small scale, but it really doesn't happen in the big group setting. Some pastors may say, well, that's our, our Sunday school. Our Sunday school does that. Okay, well, now we're back to small groups. And now, now we're working in a context where you can actually see some discipleship taking place. But every church does it differently. But what we've seen is that small groups are an excellent way to take people on a journey of following Jesus. Because that's the question. If you you really want to know what discipleship is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Day in, day out, learning to have a relationship with Him. And when you look at the context of how Jesus did discipleship, He had 12 followers. And these were the people 
he poured himself into. And, and of course, we can argue that there were more than that. He had some women disciples who weren't numbered with the 12. There were others who were kind of in the periphery. But uh, let's just say Jesus had a small group of men and women that he invested in, that he discipled, that he taught how to follow him. And not only did he teach them how to follow him, he taught them how to do the ministry that he wanted done. He, he sent them out on uh, missions. He, he, he followed up with them when they came back. He gave them teaching. He, he, he led by example. Um, and really all those components go into discipleship. And so in a small group setting, we're able to do this. And it's not just sitting down with a, your Bible and teaching about discipleship. It's about creating great discussion, creating opportunities for people to ask questions, um, creating opportunities for people to, to learn how to lead, which we'll talk about in a minute. And you're providing a context for people to, to rub up against each other um, and, and, and pretty much in every small group I've ever been a part of, you've got some folks who have been a Christian for a while. You've got other people who are maybe uh, new Christians, and then you've got other people that are somewhere in the middle. And I think together, we're all discovering what it means to be a disciple. So really, that is the first thing, um, the first purpose of building small groups and having small groups is to disciple people. And, 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 you know, I've seen discipleship, I've seen small groups where discipleship didn't take place. And, and to me, it's a terrible shame because really that should be our, our intention. Our goal is if we're running a small group and um, we're, we're, we're leading others and we've got people that we're meeting with regularly, then we should be intentional about challenging them and teaching them what it means to follow Jesus. So that's number one. Number two, why are small groups so important? Why do we need them? Well, they're really, if they're done correctly, they become the primary place for pastoral care in your church. And, you know, sadly, I grew up in an era where, um, in a traditional church, where the pastor did everything. Um, he, you know, visited people who had um, came on Sunday morning and, and were visitors and filled out visitors' cards. He would try and go to every, every person's home. And, and visit them. Um, he would, somebody was in the hospital, he would be the one to visit them. Um, he would be the one to do all the funerals. He would be the one to do all the weddings, all the counseling. Everything went through the pastor's office. And it's no surprise that so many great and godly pastors um, collapsed under the pressure. And at the same time, not just that, by them being the only person in the church who's doing that type of ministry, you're, you're holding so many other gifted people back. And so that's why in so many of our churches, our, our C3 churches, which we've got about five or 600 around the world, is we believe in empowering a large team of leaders so that the senior pastor's not doing everything. Um, he's got men and women around him that are, that are helping um, do the pastoral work and do the pastoral ministry. And, um, you know, our pastor does some weddings. I do some weddings. Other people on the team do weddings. Same with funerals, funerals and other, you know, key things. Um, you know, it's not the thing of the pastor being able to solve everybody's problems. 
it's him equipping his team to really do the work so that he doesn't have to. And it's not that he's lazy, but it's so that other people can be trained for ministry as well. So in a small group setting, this is really the place in any any type of church, but especially your mid-size and larger churches, this is where people are cared for and looked after. There's no way in a church, 500 or 1,000 people, that the pastor can know everything that's going on in everybody's lives. But if if there's a small group leader who knows what's going on, he can make sure that they get the right pastoral care. They can receive the, the, the prayer ministry that they need because people feel comfortable sharing things in a smaller setting. Um, very often, there's really not an opportunity on Sunday morning to sit down with a senior pastor and tell him what's going on in your life. But over a cup of coffee during the week, or even in a, in a small group setting, you're going to be able to do that with your small group leader and let them be able to pray for you and uh, maybe give you a little bit of counsel and point you in the right direction. The group becomes a family that takes care of each other. They, they, they look after each other. They, they know what's going on in each other's lives. Now, several years ago, we heard about a family in our church that was going through a crisis and they were angry that the church had not responded to their crisis. And of course, the pastoral team was, was really upset. We were so concerned. How did we miss this? Um, how did this slip through the cracks? How could we have not known that these folks were going through a crisis? But after doing a little bit of investigation, we found out that these guys weren't involved in a, in a small group. They didn't serve on any team. They just showed up on Sunday mornings. And they really hadn't let anybody know what was going on, and yet they were shocked that the church hadn't responded. And, you know, what we see over and over again is the people that are involved in a small group setting, when there's something going on, there's an outpouring of love and people reaching out to take care of them. And there's a death in the family. There's meals lined up. And it, it's just really done in such a way to let people know that they're valued and they're cared for. But of course, you got to know about it. If, if you don't know, you can't do anything. And so so even though these folks were upset and you know said some bad things about us, you know we just kind of came away shaking our heads going, you know, if you don't say anything and if you're not plugged in anywhere, how can we possibly help you? How can we possibly know what's going on? Maybe in a church of 30 to 50, you know, maybe people would know, but in a church that's, you know, 1,000 or 1,500 people, it doesn't quite work that way. So really, pastoral care is, um, you know, one of the primary reasons for small groups, connect groups, whatever you want to call them. You create a family. And also, really, the friendships that are developed there are absolutely amazing. Now, one of the things that our, our small group leaders do, and we, we, we really emphasize this, that if there is a family in crisis or if there's a problem in someone's life that the senior pastor needs to know about, obviously pass that on to them. Because how embarrassing is it if, if somebody who's really plugged into our church and in one of our small groups is having a crisis, um, you know, and they see the pastor and, and, and he says, hey, how you doing? And like, well, you know, I lost my dad last week, and, and he, he didn't know. So so we always try and let them know the things that they need to know so that they can, you know, really um, 
show the love and compassion that they need to show as the senior pastors, but pastoral care. So a very, very important component of our small group system. away. I'll be right back. I just wanted to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond 2.0. This is the the revised and updated edition of my popular leadership book. I hope you check it out. Click on the link. You can read the first chapter or two for free. Um, The chapters are short. They're immediately actionable. Some are more motivational. Some are more, more, a little more teaching. Uh, we deal with uh, leadership, we deal with supervision, we deal with management, uh, time management, goal setting, so many great things in this small book that will really help you. So click on the link, check it out. But I've also got a bonus a bonus book that I really hope you'll check out as well. It's called Wiki Church, W-I-K-I, like Wikipedia, Wiki Church by uh, Pastor Steve Morell. And this is probably one of the best books out there right now on small groups, the power of small groups, and really on how to be an effective disciple maker. Uh, Pastor Morell serves in the Philippines, um, has built an amazing church there, and he shares really the principles that he's used. But they're very simple. They come right out of the Bible, but they're also things that we can adapt into our ministries as well. So I hope you'll check out Wikichurch because it's been a very, very influential book in my life, and I know it will help you as well. Well, all right. We've talked about, um, we're, we're asking the question, why are small groups so important? Why, what, what's the purpose? What, what we, well, why? What do we need them for? We've talked about discipleship. They become the primary uh, mode or method or or or. Uh, pipeline for discipleship making within your church. Number two, they're also the context where people are going to receive pastoral care. Everybody should not be having to go and talk to the senior pastor when they have an issue. Um, you know, it really shouldn't shouldn't be that way. And if that's your traditional mindset, you know, I hope you'll um, you know stretch yourself and begin to think a little bit differently because. Um, really, the, the goal of every pastor should be to empower people and release them to, to into their own gifts. And there's um, always more people with a pastoral calling than just the senior pastor. So discipleship and pastoral care. And then number three is leadership development. Leadership development. You know, one of the things that, that we believe so strongly in within our church is developing and raising up other leaders. Somebody was was asking me the other day where we got other leaders from. Did we have like a, you know, when a pastor left, did we get a pastoral committee and go, you know, buy a pastor or, 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 or you know, hire a pastor from, um, you know, having a bunch of people come in and preach and, oh, wow, he preached good, so he's going to be our pastor. No, no, every leader we've raised up in the history of our church has been raised up from within. Um, youth leaders, worship leaders, senior pastors, um, you know, they've all been raised up from within. And what we found is small groups is probably the greatest, uh, one of the two, and 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 on this one I'm going to give you two, that one of the two greatest settings for developing leaders within our church. Uh, People develop their leadership skills, their spiritual gifts, 
in a small group setting. But I said there was another one as well, and that's serving on a team. Um, this is another great context to raise up leaders is serving on a team, whether it's a ministry team, serving in, in, in kids' ministry, um, serving on a hospitality team, well, whatever it is, whatever it is in your church, but serving on a team is another great place to develop leadership skills. But in the context of a small group, leaders are also trained and developed. Faithfulness, spiritual maturity, being teachable, um, you know, what does a healthy family look like? These things are all really grown and developed in the context of our small groups. And they're also a place for people to, to learn the skills of leadership. You know, one of the greatest things that, that, that we encourage our, our small group leaders to do is to have an assistant or even two who are helping them lead the group. And so now they're learning how to lead and the small group leader can give them tasks. He can maybe let them lead the discussion some weeks. He can um, let them uh, become a part of some of these conversations where someone within the, 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 the group is dealing with an issue and needs someone to pray for them. Um, people get the opportunity to develop their spiritual gifts. They learn how to pray for people. You know, some people are very shy. Some people are very timid, and they would never, ever consider praying in public in a church setting. But in a small group setting with just a few people, of people who are their good friends with, now they're learning how to pray in public and maybe even leading a Bible study or some discussion questions or whatever whatever you might be doing. The small group is a safe place for people to learn skills of leadership. And, you know, really... Every church should be developing other leaders, um, you know, and we're not developing leaders who are, who are just going to create more followers. I want to develop leaders who are going to create more leaders, because remember, we talked about at the very beginning, our goal for our small groups is to build the church. Well, what you'll find is as your small groups increase and expand, your church is going to be growing and expanding too. So you got to have more good leaders. So training them, developing them, and then ultimately letting them lead their own small groups is just such a powerful way to build the church. So the small group leader gives opportunities for people to grow and to develop their own unique spiritual gifts. And then all these things together build the church, discipleship, pastoral care, and leadership development. So why are small groups important? Those three reasons. And, and honestly, what, what else, you know, when we're looking at the church, when we think about, okay, discipleship, well, that's so powerful. Pastoral care. I mean, that's one of the main reasons a church exists is to take care of people. And then leadership development, raising up other leaders and releasing them into the calling God has for them. These are the three um, probably most important things that you can think of when we want to talk about the importance of small groups. Well, I'm going to stop there. Like I say, next week we'll probably be dealing with the, another aspect of small groups. I love to do this every year or two, you know, just kind of um, delve into it because it's such important material. And it's actually, as far as all my podcasts, these are the ones that people seem to really gravitate to. So I, I appreciate that. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com, leave me a question 
or a comment in the comment section for today's post so we can keep the conversation going. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. And by all means, click, by all means, click on the resource highlights and check out those two great books because I know you'll love them. Friends, thanks for being with me, and I'll see you next week on Leading and Learning.